Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of Making History His Story here on the Derek Izzy Show. First of all, I want to thank all of the listeners who have recently been contributing via the PayPal link we have in the show notes. The donations to the show are amazing. And I just want to sincerely thank all of the listeners and let you know that we will be starting a new plan. Any listener who donates $5 or more using that PayPal link in the show notes or the link in the Description on DerekIzzy.com, wherever you find this podcast and wherever you listen to it, use that PayPal link. If you make a donation to the show of at least $5, we will mention your name or your information on the air for the entire listening audience. Whatever information you want shared, if you'd like to remain anonymous, that's cool. But we want to give you the recognition that goes along with helping the show. So donations going forward, donations of $5 or more through that PayPal link. Since that goes to fund the show, you will be mentioned live on the air. Born in 1940, the topic of today's podcast led a very transient life. His travels took him all over over the United States of America and to some of the most well-known places in the country. Miami, Florida, Las Vegas. He traveled through Arkansas, Texas. He was all over the place. Ohio, Georgia, Nebraska, California. The list goes on and on of the states that he visited throughout his life. But it all started in Georgia. Now he claims that his mother was a prostitute. And shortly after being born, they picked up and moved to Ohio. At this point, he had very little structure in his life. And his grandmother stepped in to help raise him. Now growing up with no dad in the house and really no solid male role model, his grandmother did the best that she could to raise him. But he did get into a lot of trouble. As a child and a young teen, he was fascinated by true crime. He collected magazines that depicted some of the details of these crimes. And at the age of 16, he committed a crime. He was convicted of breaking and entering. They sentenced him to a juvenile institution Later on, he would move to Florida. 
He would work several different kinds of jobs, not really having a solid career or a strict path in life, but he continued on with petty crimes. He was convicted of driving under the influence. He was arrested for fraud. He got arrested for shoplifting. He was sent to prison. During prison, he decided to take up boxing, competing against the other inmates, spending many years in and out of jail. His crimes continued to happen. Aggravated assault, armed robbery, rape. He just couldn't seem to stay out of trouble. While he did rack up a significant number of crimes, most of them were not serious enough to get him significant jail time. But in 1961, he received a three-year sentence for breaking into a furniture store. By the year 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 different states. The topic of our podcast was clearly a troublemaker, and he definitely had a passion for women. Most men do, but here he is in his own words. Special thanks to the Crime Vault. Here he is being interviewed where he gets to talk about some of the women in his life. Now keep in mind, he is much, much older when this interview took place. By the time of this interview, he's in his late 70s, but his memory of details is amazing. You can listen as he talks about some of the women in his life, going clear back into the 1970s. He's remembering women from that long ago in great detail. Now, he's not always accurate with the years and the dates of when he met these women, but his descriptions and his memory of how they looked and what they did is still intact with a lot of detail, almost like a photographic memory. But I'll let him tell you about the women in his life. North Little Rock. Tell me what that girl looked like. Oh, man, I loved her. I forget her name. Oh, wait. I think it was Ruth. Okay. She was a heavy-set, big old yellow girl and had buck teeth. He had a gap between his teeth everywhere. And she she was like honey colored skin. And she had uh, like her hair was not really long. Was just, How tall do you think she was? She was about five seven. How much do you think she weighed? She weighed about close to, to two hundred, about hundred and seventy. Pretty pretty big girl. Yeah. Right. Now where did you meet her at? Okay. Down in the crack house. I was, they heard about six other girls were sitting on the porch do some crack in there. I stopped to go in there. I seen the girls, that's why I stopped. We stayed together two days or more. I think about three days. We was going shoplifting. We went to Sears. We went to uh, Clover's and that's where I got busted. Mm-hmm. They took me to jail and she went and stayed in the car. And the manager of Kroger's, I guess he got tired of her landing his property in that car. He called the station where I was at in North, uh, North Arkansas. 
the job is yours. <laughs> so we come down and get this girl and car here. They cut me loose. So we were headed toward with that place where Walmart's uh, original store been. I whipped off the road and back into that little woods. There's a cornfield back there. I pulled through it. And on the other side of the cornfield was a trash pile. I parked the car facing out where I could see anybody coming in. So I, I pulled her out of the car. She's too big for me to carry, carry her. So I just pulled her out of the car and laid on that trash that was left there. So was it like a cornstalk pile? Or was it yeah, a bunch of cornstalk. What could you see from there? Uh, I could see the highway. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the woods, is that way. But it's right outside of Little Rock. Uh, I was about 10 miles from here. From North Little Rock, you think 10 miles? Yeah, it was about 10 miles. Okay. Hey, tell me about um, Northern Kentucky, the girl that you met in Columbus. So you meet this girl, <clears throat> I guess you're at a strip bar downtown Columbus. I went on my car. And this white girl come out behind the building. Yeah, I'm in my trunk. She walked over to me. Say, come on, y'all, can you take me to Miami? Describe this girl to me. Is she white, black, what she looked like? She was white, blonde hair, dishwater, dishwater blonde, it goes. Short. Short, like shoulder length? Yeah, or? No, 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 early, a little over the ear length. Like a bob. Yeah, like a bob. Okay, and um, how tall do you think she was? She was about five. Seven. How much do she weighs? She weighed about one thirty. How old do you think she was? Oh, she was about twenty-five. Okay. You mentioned before that that uh, you said she kind of had like this hippie aura to her. Yeah, she did give you a hippie feeling. I think she was some kind of hippie. Yeah. So you go to Cincinnati, you mess around on Vine Street, and then eventually you guys both get in your car and you cross over the, the bridge into Kentucky. Tell me about going into Kentucky. We got to Covington, and then we continued through Covington. Mm-hmm. And there was a park that they were having a festival there. And she heard the music and shit off of that band in there. And by her being a hippie type, you know, she, oh, she wanted to get to that. But the police came over and peeked in the in our car, we really wanted me to move out of there. So we, instead of going in there, I took her the other way. Right. Winding around, they got hills out in Kentucky, and the road winds around the hills. Mm-hmm. I seen a little short road going up mm-hmm. the hill. Mm-hmm. And, and up top, there was uh, vegetation, wasn't no houses or nothing. And so I pulled up in there and, and concealed about the car. In, the, in that little vegetation up there on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this this road that goes up the hill. What kind of road is it? It was it was like a dirt road. Okay. It was like dirt. The grass was growing in the middle between two tracks. When I left her up in the in that little road up there, on the side of the road, she was like partially concealed by the vegetation. And I left her there. Las Vegas. Describe the Las Vegas victim. That was in 93. Okay. I bought a, the 
uh, El Dorado. What color El Dorado? It was a yellow. Okay. Oh, yellow kind of like El Dorado. Yep. All right. What year? Seventy-eight. Okay. Well, tell me about this girl. What does she look like? She was kind of thin, dark skin, about forty years old. When she was out there hustling. I think she was a drug addict because she wouldn't get out there. How tall was she? She was about five, 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 three. And how she much do you think she weighed? She weighed about 110, 120. Okay. What about her did you know? The, the boy came, she left with her son. And she called him over. And he came over, hey, he shook my hand and everything. Yeah. Now, how old was he? He was about 20 or about 19, 20. Okay, black male? Or? Black male. And where were you at when you met her? It was on Owens Avenue. Okay. Owens, that's down in the black section. Owens and Jackson. Where do you eventually take her, her body to? I was, I was headed toward California. Mm -hmm. So as I drove out of Las Vegas, I, didn't, I seen a motel and a road leading up to the motel. And I said, there's a lot of bushes and brushes us beside the road before he got to that motel. That's where I dropped, pulled up her body out and rolled it down there. And I heard a secondary roll of noise. That meant she was still rolling. So you basically rolled her into a pretty big ditch that's got a bunch of... Well, it wasn't a ditch, it was a slope. Okay. That didn't look like a slope because of the vegetation had grown up out of the slope right. and looked like you know it was you, you would think that the road would just be flat. Mm -hmm. But actually, the road was going down mm -hmm. a slope way. And that's why she rolled. So this is a slope right off the road? Yeah. Okay. And tell me about how far do you think you were outside of Las Vegas? The road I was on was going towards Searchlight. So whatever the name of that road is, that's the road I was on. How far outside of Las Vegas do you think you were? Were you in Las Vegas? About, I was still in Las Vegas, yeah. Okay. But I was on the very outskirts. All right. The very outskirts. There was a couple of motels I remember, a gas station and everything. It was scattered, dot, 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 because it was getting thin population as you go further out. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Mary Ann. She's what you nowadays they call a transgender. She's a black male dressed up as a female. Okay. How tall is, is she? Marianne's about five, seven, seven, five, six. She weighed about 135. Okay. One, maybe 140. And how old do you think she was? She was 19. Okay. And where was she from? No, I'm Miami, down in Liberty City. Okay. And did she, um, you mentioned before she had a boyfriend, or she talked about a boyfriend? Named Wes. Wes? Yeah, yeah. And tell me about where you met her at. I've seen her down at Jaguar on 17th Avenue, and she had on a short cream miniskirt. <clears throat> cream and red. So then this opportunity popped up mm -hmm. to take her to the store. Right. She didn't even bring it back to the I went down to the That's going down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm -hmm. called the, the Alligator Alley. It, it turns into, it runs in the Alligator Alley. Right. But the further out you get, the further you get out of Miami, right. and you, you got vegetation. Man. Now, how far outside of Miami do you think you were? About, it wasn't 
too far out of Miami, right okay. there. I was in my stepdad's car, Pontiac Levans. And where'd you take her to? Continue down 27. Mm -hmm. Got back on 27. Going outside of Miami. Okay. Miami. Going away from Miami. Going away from Miami. We got down past the, uh, past the, let's say, limits. So I continued on toward Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And I seen a road going off the main road back into the station mm -hmm. on the left side. So I got her out of the car, pulled her out, and drug her into the ropes back there. And pulled her deeper into the, a path, a little path was running somewhere, I don't know where it led it to, mm -hmm. but it was running deeper into the undergrowth. Mm -hmm. it, it's like Everglades like that. And we ran into uh, uh, some water running. And, but before the, we got to the water, the earth was mushy. I turned her loose. And mm -hmm. she fell into it face down. And how far outside of Miami do you think you were? About a mile, two miles. Uh, what year did Marianne occur? Uh, 72. Okay, 1972. She was pretty. A light skinned brown, honey colored skin. And she was about five, she was about tall, she was tall for a woman, mm -hmm. about five, eight, five, nine, and she's beautiful shape, and she's uh, friendly. And how much do you think she weighed? Uh, she was a, had a beautiful body, a beautiful 150, well put together. And, uh, how old do you think she was? She was about 30. Okay. And she's a black female. Yeah. And tell me where you met her. I met her in a, a, a nightclub in New Orleans. Her and her sister was two sisters. Yeah, she had two sisters. Her and two, her youngest sister was having a birthday party. Her sister was dancing with this guy on the floor. And when I come in, the girl that I was with offered me to dance with me. And while we were dancing, she says, uh, you, want, you want to go riding after this, you know, after this party's over? We walked outside, and she looked and seen my car that late. She said, ooh, you know, that's a beautiful car, too. So she had arm in arm, walking to the car. We got in, stopped at the gas station. We were on the Highway 10. Going toward Slide L, I seen the sign say Little Woods. Mm -hmm. So I cut off, I took off the exit, went, and that sure enough was the road leading into the woods. <laughs> and we went in and parked. So we finally got to where we were going. It was by, uh, by a river, a little water thing. And the big, uh, they had a machine out there in that little river. Dredging. Dredging. I grabbed her by the legs and pulled her to the water. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that I ever killed by drowning. Describe the location where she's left. Okay, I left her with her head still there in the water. Half her body in the underwater and the thighs and legs on the bank. Now those were just some of the women in his life. From 1981, in Ohio, there was also Annie Lee Stewart, 
From 1984, there was Mary Jo Payton, also in Ohio. In California, in 1987, there was Carol Elford. Also in California, Guadalupe Apodica, 1987. Audrey Everett, 1989 in California. Rose Evans, 1991, Ohio. Denise Brothers, 1994, in Texas. Those are only the confirmed women in his life. But it appears that there were many, many more. It is believed, going back to the 1970s, that in 1970, Mary Jo Brosley in Florida. 1971, Linda, also in Florida. 1971-1972, Mary Ann, also in Florida. An unnamed woman, 1971-72, possibly affiliated with the Air Force in Florida. 1972, Prince George's County, Maryland, unnamed woman. 1973, unnamed woman in Florida. Continuing on in 1973 over to Louisiana, we have Sarah Brown. Into 1974, we have an unknown woman in Georgia, an unknown woman in Ohio. Somewhere in the mid-1970s, down in Florida again, we have Emily. Over to Tennessee in 1975, unknown woman approximately 25 years old. 1976 to 77, we have an unknown woman in Texas. Somewhere between 76 and 79, we have Joe in Illinois. Another unknown woman, possibly picked up in St. Louis, Missouri. Another one from Texas. Another one from Georgia. 1977, now we're into Mississippi with Kara Birdlong. Going into the later 1970s, we're into Ohio. She was somewhere between 20 and 35 years old. Continuing through the late 70s, we are into Florida. We're into South Carolina. Into the 1980s, now we're in Georgia with Patricia Parker. More unknown women in Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana. All this throughout the 1980s. 1982, we have Mindy Lepre. 1984, we swing over to Ohio. Possibly a college student, unknown female. Same year, we're over into Georgia. Same year, we're into Kentucky. And as 1984, it was a very busy year for the topic of our podcast. Now we have Priscilla Baxter-Jones in Arkansas. More ladies in California and Florida. Then we're over to Georgia again with Francis Campbell. 1987, Los Angeles, California. 
we have six more women. As we get into the later 80s, we're into Louisiana, Arizona, into the 90s. Now we're in Arkansas with Jolanda Jones, back over into California with Alice Duvall, over into Ohio, Roberta Tondorich. Then we're back into California for several unknown women. Over into Arkansas. Now we're into Vegas in 1993. Into the mid to late 90s, we're back into California. 1997, Phoenix, Arizona. Anne was her name. What do all those women have in common? The topic of our podcast. While the topic of our podcast did lead a very busy life, committing petty crimes, his crimes progressed into sexual assaults. Now, he always had a fascination with true crime that I spoke about earlier. And the specific details in those true crimes, you heard a little bit of it coming out during the interview where he spoke about the women in his life. He was fascinated by choking women. He spoke very candidly of it. In the late 1980s, the topic of our podcast would attempt to strangle a 22-year-old Lori Barros, but she would survive. A month later, police would find the topic of our podcast with an unconscious woman in the backseat of his car. She had been beaten and strangled. This was the same location where he tried to strangle Lori Barros. The topic of our podcast was arrested and he served two and a half years in prison for his crimes. But he would be set free after serving his sentence. And in 2012 at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky he was extradited to California to face a narcotics charge they decided to run DNA testing on him that DNA testing led to a mountain of evidence claiming his innocence of the many crimes he is now being accused of he ended up being tried for the murders of three women in September of 2014. This DNA evidence was crucial in getting the conviction. He was sentenced to life in prison in 2014. After spending approximately four years in prison for these murders that he claimed he was innocent of, the topic of our podcast slowly started to open up. The interview that you heard was part of him opening up about the women in his life. Because as he opened up, he started confessing to strangling and murdering these women. The authorities now have evidence that he was involved in over 60 murders throughout his 35-year crime spree. And they're still uncovering evidence. During his confessions, 
The topic of our podcast has confessed to 93 murders. The majority were done by strangulation. How did he get away with it for so long? Well, he targeted women who were generally prostitutes. He knew that nobody would come looking for them. And this seemed to be one of the common themes around serial killers throughout the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. They would target victims that would leave no trail. Nobody would come looking for them or notice if they went missing. As the FBI continues to investigate, they will probably uncover more evidence that directly ties the topic of our podcast to these murders. But a lot of the murders never got investigated because when a prostitute dies, a lot of times the authorities don't do a thorough investigation. That's just something that happens back in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s. Street life was dangerous. There's a lot of drugs, addictions, and dangerous people. That just comes with the territory, so authorities weren't always thoroughly invested in figuring out why someone died. On December 30th, 2020, the topic of our podcast would die. By then, he was 80 years old, suffering from diabetes, heart problems, and other health conditions. So before his death, he was able to confess to 93 murders. Whether or not the number is accurate, we don't know for sure. But what we do know is that through DNA evidence, the topic of our podcast was America's most prolific serial killer, Samuel Little. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Derek Izzy Show. Do me a favor, write a five-star review. Reviews go a long way to getting the show noticed. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family. Show is carried free on DerekIzzy.com, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify. It's all over the place. And click on that PayPal button. Make a donation. All we ask is $1 per episode. It's pretty easy to do. Most everyone can afford that. But that just keeps the lights on in the studio, allows us to continue to pay the bills. So a big thank you for everyone who has already made their $1 contribution. And remember, $5 will get you announced on the air. We're going to try and pilot that program. Because now you know the rest of the story. Good day.